Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome again to the EKN Radio Network, another edition of our EKN Debrief, our podcast where we take the opportunity to review an event uh, that we were just attending. This is actually episode number 47. It is April the 16th, 2019. My name is Rob Howden, joined as always by David Cole, as today we look at the 2019 finale. Uh, for the Challenge of the Americas, rounds number five and six at Sim Raceway Performance Karting Center in Sonoma. Uh, the event on April the 5th, 6th, and 7th. We are, uh, yeah, probably about 10 days down the line, almost uh, just a little over a week from that event. Um, got back last week. I was the, I was the guy that was there, uh, part of our dual weekend double-double. Uh, David Cole and I doing two uh, two races each weekend on back-to-back uh, weekends. It was uh, it was nuts for sure, and of course, you know, I was on the road for five weeks or three weeks rather. You get home, you're uh, in the office trying to catch up on accounting, on emails, on whatever it may be. We were able to knock out the USPKS podcast, the debrief last week. David, of course, quarterbacking that one and giving us all the information from what happened at Ocala. So my turn to talk a little bit about uh, you know what I was able to see uh, in Sonoma, California. It was a great start uh, to the season for. Uh, the challenge crew, another big jump for the first race. And again, not exactly the numbers. I think they would like to have had a little more at the finale, but still more numbers than last year. And really growth and stability have kind of come to characterize what Andy Saisman's crew has put together since making the move to rock uh, last year. This week's show presented by Streeter Superstands. With decades of experience and an unbeatable reputation, Streeter Superstance leads the way in quality, innovation, and affordable lifts, stands, and an amazing selection of trailer and shop accessories to make you the envy at every event. From local club racers and regional warriors to the top pro teams, racers demand the best, and Streeter Superstands build it. Roll with the best and shop online at StreeterSuperstands.com. All right, Cole, we'll bring you in. Uh, I guess when this is all said and done, we can kind of take a, a little bit of a you know a deep breath and call the dual weekend double double complete <laughs> because um, that was a that was a, I don't want to say a rough stint, but it was one of those ones where we're just going back and forth and and because of the double double, we added more to each weekend as well or each week as well because we had to knock out a couple of podcasts every time we got home, and as we said from that last one. Uh, you know, you came home, I came home, we were home for a couple of days and right back on the road. So it's, it's nice to take a deep breath and kind of settle into a a little bit of a, uh, a home stint before we head to the Scusa spring nationals of the first weekend. Yeah. And uh, I would call it a a success. Um, you know, we were able to Mm. accomplish the feat of the dual weekend, double, double, uh, we provided the best coverage possible we could from all four events that we attended. Um, and it was a little hard doing it cross country as we did, you know, you went, you went to Texas yep. and then California and luckily I stayed on East coast. So it was a little bit easier for me, uh, travel wise, but, um, you know, still it was, it was a success. Um, we got to see, we each got to see two really good events. Um, I got to get rained on both times. Um, you just once, I think, did it, did it rain in Texas? A little, yeah, not, yeah, we didn't get here. Um, it was no, it was just super cold in Texas. Right. Cold. So you got one yeah. of two that was rain, but you got to race. Four different organizations as well, too, which I thought was cool, right? Supercarts USA and Texas Pro Kart Challenge, uh, Challenge of the Americas, WKA, and USPKS. That's it was a great cross section, I think, for us over over a you know a two week period. 
It was. It was a. It was good to to you know. Again, we're working with four different race directors. We're working with four different probably scoring people. Uh, four different four different announcers. Announcers. Yeah, that's yeah. true. I even think I, think, I didn't announce it at challenge at all. I thought I'd get on the mic a bit with Chappie, but I did not. I was so busy running around. No, it was uh, it was Eric Brennan, Tim Cohen, myself in Texas, and Chappie, Tim Chapman in in Coda. So four different voices as well. On the EKN Radio Network. I love it. Yeah, you don't typically see that in a lot of other sports. No, that's very true. Um, You know, the interesting thing too, David, when you you sit back and look at it as well, we we were kind of forced to expand a little bit ourselves. You know, we really have, we've had a, we had a conflict, I think once, and I I think you stuck on the, you know, our EKN live page, you know, ecardinews.com slash live. And then I was with tech, I was, I think I was in Texas at the, uh, the final round a couple of years ago for the Texas pro car challenge. And, and we just, they, they set up their own Mixler mm-hmm. feed that we were, we were able to use. We decided to change it around a little bit. Now we you know, like ESPN, like some of the bigger networks. Now we have two different channels. We have EKN one and EKN two, which I think is cool. Yeah. So two opportunities. <laughs> Coyan right? loves calling it the deuce. We were on the, it's the Ocho. Well, that it's we should have went with EKN live eight. <laughs> And we could have called it the called Ocho. It. Yeah, that would have been great. We should have. That would have been funny. We should have called. Yeah, but I like it. It's the Deuce. Yeah. I like that. All right, I like it. That's, that's good stuff. All right, let's let's jump into this debrief now as we uh, we talk about the, the final rounds of the Challenge of the Americas. And unlike you know, the last uh, debrief we did, the USPKS, the opening round from Ocala, where you know David kind of ran the whole thing. I just kind of offered in, asked some questions, and kind of you know maybe just moderated it because David was there. David, you were at the first two rounds of the Challenge of America, so you're going to be able to add a lot of insight in the terms of the championship battle we're talking mm-hmm, about, right? Correct. And we're going to talk championships at the end of every class. Uh, you were there for the first two rounds, so you know the players. Uh, you can talk a little bit about the history from the last couple of races. Obviously, you've been with the Challenge of Americas for many years. You know, you and I normally are there together. And ideally, if schedules work out the way we've hoped for 2020, uh, we will uh, we'll be back there again with Andy Sazeman and the crew. Uh, me back on the mic and you doing the, the ECAN trackside live. But, you know, bottom line, David, the event was April 5th, 6th, and 7th, the 12th year of the challenge. Um, and, you know, obviously, Andy Sazeman making that move, you know, saw the writing on the wall with, with Rotax. Where am I going to go with this thing? The numbers were starting to fall a little bit, as they were nationally for Rotax. And, of course, they just made their kind of comeback this weekend or, or these next couple of uh, these next couple of months with the guys at J three and the stars and stripes and the RTX carding group that ran the all, all-star finals down in Houston. And he looked at it and said, Hey, I want to go, I want to go the rock route. And second year with the rock, David, before I jump into my overview, you saw it great numbers to start the season. We fell off a little bit, but all in all, I think Andy's moved to the rock and kind of California's picking up of the rock has worked out really well for the challenge. It's it's not only the move, but I again, you're going into the twelfth. This is the twelfth season for the challenge, and people respect and understand what they get when they go to a challenge of the Americas event. And I think that's a big part of of what uh, you know brings people to the program. Uh, I mean, you could go any engine platform. I think you would still get people coming to Challenge of the Americas just just for the fact that they know that Andy puts on a great program. Taylor Jocelyn on the track. You got Shelby up in scoring. You got everybody doing uh, uh, behind the scenes stuff. Everything gets done right. But you know the the Rock Engine platform uh, provides provided that quick, easy shift over to something that was similar. 
yet a little different, but where people could go and be able to race not only at the challenge, but other places throughout the year as well. I think that's key. I think you're right. The fact that it's not, it wasn't just grabbing an engine out of nowhere and saying, this is what we're going to run. It was something that uh, was number one, starting to get a little bit of momentum uh, in certain places. It's obviously a well-known product line, the Vortex. Uh, you did mention again, again, the consistency and the stability in the, in the platform, the official that, that uh, Andy has, has had been in place for a, a long time. You know, you, you talked about Taylor Jocelyn. You got his his guys on the track in Mark Mission and Angel Mata. You got you know Guy Kesey on the on the grid. You got Shelby uh, Jocelyn in uh, in timing and scoring, and, and just there's never ever an issue when Shelby's doing timing and scoring. Probably the single best timing and scoring person we've ever seen. Um, let's let me jump into the, the actual overview before we look at some numbers. Uh, rain, as it always does, seems to play a bit of a role in these finale events in Sonoma, it's, it's hard to have a race in Sonoma in April and not, you're going to, you're going to play with rain. Um, I had a couple people actually message me, Dave saying they haven't seen the track look that green in a long time. You know, the grass was beautiful. We, they got a lot of, they got a lot of rain over the lot, over the whole winter. So place looked great. Yeah. It, right? It's, it's, it's always good to go there out there, even though you have to struggle with the rain, the, the view. And, and as, as you said, oh, yeah. it's green, it's not Brown. Like when you go there in May, because you, by the time you yeah. go there in May, everything's Brown again, because the weather, you know, turns to spring and towards summer temperatures. So it gets warmer and it dries out, but yeah, it's always good to see the green uh, in the Sonoma Valley. Uh, and it was gorgeous. Paddock was was full as usual. Um, I think you probably have a club rate with 40 people and it would still feel full in the paddock because it's probably one of the smallest paddocks we go to in terms of a national level, like national level facility. Uh, all in all, you know, from what I was able to see when I wasn't in the seat, uh, racing super clean all weekend. You know, there, there was some issues, minor issues here and there, but otherwise the racing was pretty, pretty solid. Um as I said, we had some rain early. Uh, I actually got a chance. To, I, I, I drove on the weekend as well. We haven't mentioned that yet. I got a chance, uh, thanks to Andy Saisman and Jimmy Gregory, to get a chance to drive in the 100cc Masters class. Uh, and, Andy offering up a Burrell for me to drive with the uh, the Rock VLR 100, which, uh, man, I love the engine package. Every time I got in the cart, I was happy. It was fun. Great power. You know, that bottom end grunt that I love that, uh, you know, just ripping off the corners. It was a ton of fun. So I, you know, I, I was kind of going back and forth. I was in the seat as I think it was senior shifter was wrapping up. We were right after them. So I was of course watching the session and jumped in the seat. And then right after us, uh, the hundred CC senior and master's class was junior rock. So I missed a bit of the start of that as I was waiting in the scale line. So, you know, I, I didn't see some of the start of junior. I did see some wrecks in front of me. <laughs> if there was, there was issues in front of me in a, in the smaller hundred CC senior class. But I got on the track on, on Thursday. I, I arrived pretty early, was able to get a couple of sessions in on Thursday afternoon, did a little, some limited running on Friday because there was a bit of uh, moisture on Friday. Same went for Saturday morning. Um, we'll talk about it, but they actually called it a rain race during Saturday morning's driver's meeting. So it was kind of up to you if you wanted to go with slicks or, or rains, and, and rains were the way to go at one point. Um, all in all, though, Sunday, you know, low 70s, sun came out on Sunday. It was gorgeous. A great way to cap things off. Rain felt like it was coming in potentially on Sunday afternoon, but it didn't, which was great. But bottom line, David, you can talk about this as well. You know this. Just a great vibe in the paddock. You know, we had a fun, there was a fun atmosphere at the podiums, um, capping things off, you know, handing out the uh, the tickets to the Rock Cup International Final. 
to Rock the Rio, uh, and he was also passing out entries to the Rock California series. A uh, couple of the classes, third place got a set of tires and a can of fuel. You know what the va- the vibe is like. You know, a- Andy kind of makes sure that there's that feel being at a challenge race. It was just it was just fun being in the paddock. You know, well, don't don't forget Sunday's drivers meeting with the uh, all the prizes they give out there, including a lot of stuff from acceleration. True. Uh, yeah. PTK, not to mention tires. Also, that's the big prize that everybody wants uh, that they give out at the end there. Uh, so, yeah, there's just it's always a good vibe. It's the one it's the first time I've missed the challenge race since we've been going there since 2012. So I was a little upset. I didn't get to Did to be at the finale. I always love the finale. Well, just so you know, David, and I'll, I'll bring this in wearing my full suit, of course, because I ended up getting on the podium of, in our in our in our four driver class. <laughs> um, I I had to be David Cole when I was there, right? Not only was I David Cole uh, writing the race report up and posting everything to social media, you know, Sean Bure was supp- supplying us. He was coming in and out, supplying me with photos. We had the videos. We did we did the videos, quick video interviews for qualifying, which I thought was really cool. I I had to be David Cole at the podium too. I was I was Andy's bitch. I was handing him all the trophies and everything like that. I you know I had to be the guy. I did. Okay, but we missed you. Well, I, I'm sh- I'm sure you didn't quite live up to my standards, and I'm sure Andy can tell me a little bit more about uh, exactly how you filled in in that position. Because being the podium guy, you know, you, there's a lot going on, and and he yells at me a lot. So I'm sure he yelled at you a lot. <laughs> a couple times was hey, I'm like, all right, I got you. Don't worry. I got, actually, we handled it pretty good, bud. We did. I think Andy and I did a good job with it. It was solid. <laughs> I think we need to, I, we need somebody to replace replace us doing that because we don't get to enjoy the podiums. That's um, true. Watching from the side, I mean, you get to because you're you're typically announcing, so you kind of get to enjoy it from that aspect. But uh, and I didn't have to chappy handle it. Yeah, I didn't have to do the podiums, which is well, great. of course. So you had to fill in my role because your role was already taken. Yeah, and your role, from what I know now, is to drink. You know, keep sipping your drink between passing trophies. That's, I think, what all I really did. Well, okay, then you understand the the reason why I do it. <laughs> I know the role. Uh, all right, folks, let's have a look at the numbers here. As we're giving you the overview of the final round of the 2019 Challenge of the Americas. Of course, that event taking place at Sim Raceway Performance Karting Center in Sonoma on April 5th, 6th, and 7th. Uh, numbers all total, um, 96 drivers entered. Um, if you now number one, you see ninety six, you go all right. Well, you didn't break the hundred mark, which is which is kind of that one mark. Then one fifty is the next, then two hundred. Um, but I think the, the more bottom line, and Andy Saysman talked about this at the drivers meeting, is the, the the amount of growth that they've been able to have. Last year, the finale, eighty three drivers. The year before that, or that that last year, seventy eight drivers in the rock category. Remember, last year they ran the Briggs two hundred six. Uh, drivers so it, it, all told there was actually nine more rock entries at this year's event so you know 15 percent growth is what you're seeing and you know you know dave we sat down and talked to andy about it when you get if, if you could have 10 percent growth a year that's key 100 becomes 110 110 becomes 121 and so on and so on and i think andy's thinking about that that 10 to 15 percent growth Start of the season was a so really good numbers down in California, but uh, up in NorCal, 96 to, to finish, I think, was there, – there was one spot. It was interesting when I go through the numbers. One interesting drop, which really surprised me, but then uh, overall, though, the growth at, at you know 10 to 15% is what you're trying to get. And I, and I think one thing that Andy and the Rock program has going with them is everybody has these engines now. 
And so now new people are going to be, so that's where the growth happens is bringing in new people to the program because we have the series regulars. And a lot of times you're going to get guys who have been gone for a couple of years that, that might come back. And that's, that's key in, in, in growing as well too. Um, we, you know, master's category is one of them. We, we had a big field at, at Cal speed, but we didn't get anybody to keep coming back, uh, to the second and third events. So I think that category has room for growth. Junior rock is another category. We have yep. a lot, you know, there's a lot of junior racers in the California area. There, there should be no reason why we can't get that cat, that class back up to twenties in the twenties. And then of course, you know, you have mini rock. That's pretty solid. Uh, that was pretty solid throughout the season. All in all, yeah, 15 drivers in Mini Rock, uh, up two from last year. Micro Rock up a couple. They had four drivers in Micro Rock. Junior was the big drop, nine down. They were 19 drivers last year, only 10 at the finale this time, which surprised me. Uh, 15 drivers in Senior Rock made for a great race. Uh, 11 total in Masters with some really good talent. The addition, as I said, of 100cc Senior and 100cc Master, uh, five drivers in the Senior class. I believe all of them on the on the IAMI KA100 it was us drivers in the X, uh, 100cc Masters class, three of us on the VLR uh, 100 Rock. Just a, a tremendous package, and I think you're going to see that continue to start to build. And then, David, one, I think the high spot, of course, and it's really exciting for the guys at the Challenge, is is the the shifter numbers. 11 drivers in the Masters class, 20 run drivers in shifter Rock. Um, that, for me, with the quality of the drivers that were there, I think that's probably a high spot. You throw back in... You know, the 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 junior rock can get it back to 20, maybe get the senior to 20. And all of a sudden, you're around the corner, you're at 120. And then you're at 130. So just a little bit more momentum and have the guy. We always do this, right? You look at the actual points from the challenge. How many guys actually ran at least one race? And if you can get, if you can get the people that ran one race to run all three, you're at 150. Right. And then then, then you've hit that mark. Yeah, that's, that's, right, that's, 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 that's the it. ultimate goal is to keep, and that's, that's, you know, again, less is more, you know, three events. The challenge has always been three events, uh, except for, I think the first year they might've had four. It was a little, uh, interesting season, but, uh, it's, it's typically been three events and, and less always produces more. And I think, you know, again, the, the transition from, from the, the Rotax to the rock it's it's growing it's growing and it's and hopefully we'll be back to those numbers when it, when the challenge was at its peak and we're getting there and yeah. as you said if we get if we those are, guys to come to more than just one race and, and come to either two or all three it will be there when i wrap up this podcast at the very end uh, that's something i'm going to talk about a little bit uh, in the wrap-up so Folks, stick with us. We got more to come. That's the overview of the opening round of the challenge of the Amer- or the, the finale of the challenge of the Americas, our opening segment here on our 47th episode of the EKN Debrief. Rob Howden alongside David Cole. Stick with us. After this, we'll go into the paddock pass. Are you looking for a new card shop? One that treats you like you're an important customer? If so, look no further than Acceleration Car Racing. At Acceleration customer service is number one we are a full-time carding business not a hobby or an afterthought we have all the products you're looking for from kit carts to shifters safety to speed we strive to offer our customers the best products prices and service at acceleration kart racing we're always here when you need something for your racing program located in las vegas acceleration is stocked with a wide range of products We've been helping racers get the right parts for over 16 years. 
Acceleration has everything that a kart racer needs, from turnkey carts to safety equipment, engines and more, stocking all of the leading kart racing brands. Here's a taste of the products that we carry every day. CRG, Tony Kart, Bennett, Rotax, Honda, Miami, MG Tires, Vinco, Bridgestone, Mojo, Alpine Stars, Sparco, Ribtech, and EVS, Tillet, Micron, Alfano, Bell, Arai, Zamp, KG, Sniper, Sweet Tech, and KNN. It doesn't matter where you live in the country, we will get you what you need so you can get back on the track. Acceleration has a sufficient supply of products to ensure that your order can be shipped the very same day. Our knowledgeable staff is available to help customers six days a week, and ordering online is open 24 hours a day at shopakr.com. For visitors and locals in the Las Vegas area, Acceleration is a large showroom full of the best kart racing products available. Come on in and check it out. To find out more about what Acceleration has to offer, visit shopakr.com. Again, shopakr.com. And make sure to sign up to be on our mailing list to receive the latest updates and promotions that we send throughout the season. Again, we're a one-stop shop. Shopakr.com. If the dream is IndyCar, set your target on the road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. Our ladder system is designed to take drivers through three rungs of competition. The first step is the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship, which features a carbon tub Tatus chassis, 180 horsepower, and paddle shift sequential gearbox. Boost the USF 2000's output to 280 horsepower for the newly named Indy Pro 2000 program, the second rung of the road to Indy, formerly known as Pro Mazda. Add in increased grip and aero downforce, and the Tatus PM18 becomes an incredible racing machine. The final step before IndyCar is the Indy Lights Championship presented by Cooper Tires. The Delara IL-15 boasts a whopping 450 horsepower. This car itself has helped train a third of the grid expected for the 2019 IndyCar Series. At all three levels, you race at premier venues on the same dance card as IndyCar. Showcase your skills under the watchful eyes of IndyCar scouts and owners. The program is unprecedented around the world offering the opportunity to climb the ladder with over $2 million in scholarships to the champions in USF 2000, Indy Pro 2000, and Indy Lights. Former Carters fill the roster of Road to Indy graduates in IndyCar, like Spencer Piggott, Zach Veach, Jack Harvey, Ed Jones, Mateus Laced, Felix Rosenquist, Colton Herta, and 2018 Indy Lights champion Pato Award. Recent graduates, like Kyle Kirkwood, are in the middle of their journeys right now as well. Follow in their footsteps. If you want to race IndyCar, there's only one choice. The Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network and our 47th episode of the EKN Debrief. My name's Rob Howden, joined by David Cole. As we present our review of the Challenge of the Americas finale for 2019, rounds five and six up in Sonoma, California. Time to jump into the Paddock Pass, where I'll give you some information that really isn't just about race reports, more about some of the stuff happening within the Paddock and within the event itself. 
This edition of the Paddock Pass presented by NitroCart. By now, you've probably heard that NitroCart, the dominant force in the cadet ranks, now offers a full-size chassis too. Add in the previously introduced kid cart, and there is now a Nitro cart for everyone. While Nitro cart will always focus on the cadet classes, all their chassis are built with the same quality and performance as the class-leading cadet chassis and are ready to win. Arrive and drive programs are available for all major national events. Go to nitro-cart.com for more details. All right, David, let's jump into the, uh, the paddock pass. You never talk about this ever, <laughs> ever during a race weekend. But when it's all said and done, you talk about the fact that there's no red flags, right? You never want to jinx it. But a, a clean weekend of racing, as I had said earlier. But, you know, I, I think any promoter, Andy Sazeman being one of them, when that last checkered flag flies and the last driver is rolled into the scale line, there's that big sigh of relief that there was no red flags. The ambulance didn't roll even one time. And that is always something that a promoter and anybody wants to see. I think that's the case for all three events for 2019 for the challenge. I think seriously, I, th- I think Tucson, I, I can fully remember that we did. We had no red flags. I'm pretty sure I'm a, probably a hundred percent, 99% sure that we didn't have any red flags in Cal speed as well, too. We're going to confirm that with Andy, but cause that, that would be amazing if they went through the entire challenge without a red flag that's that's because obviously racing we race hardcore people you know you're wheel to wheel man that's that's awesome to hear that's fantastic um I, we talked a little bit about the rain uh, on friday and saturday it made things interesting i think for the uh for the drivers and the mechanics i was of course working with eric thompson's um at ftk full throttle karting and you know when, when it came you know my focus david on the weekend was was the hand track side live coverage you know that was it and, and if you know, if that came first, that came first. And he and I were kind of talking about, about it on Friday. And, and yeah, I was going to drive for the afternoon. I just said to him, I said, don't worry about it. I, I won't go out for this session. We're not going to go back and forth during a Friday practice session like everybody else was, right? Making sure that they had the setup right for the rains and set up right for the drives. And I didn't want him thrashing back and forth. But for people that weren't focused on the EK and Trackside Live program, that's what they had to do. And how many times, David, have you heard somebody say, just figure it out? Like, either rain rain or dry dry mechanics hate it when you go back and forth it just so it's fun it's fun for us to watch because you get those sessions that it's okay do we go wet or do we go dry or do we go dry or do we go wet those are fun for us but yes for the mechanics it's a pain in the ass and yes i typically and if i was probably racing too i would typically want just one weather condition throughout the day i wouldn't want it to go back and forth or at least if I know it's going to dry out, I want, you know, I got that at least half hour timeline where I know it's going to dry out or, you know, just, I know it's going to, you know, if it starts raining right after my first race, I know it's going to be wet for the second race type. We had one class. I'm not sure if it was a shifter class. It might've been shifter, whatever it was during Saturday, I think it was probably in the pre-finals where where one driver came up with rains on it and the track was still a little bit wet. Um, a damp, let's put it that way. He came up with rains. Definitely was not the case. The, they went out there and started blasting around and, you know, two, three laps in, it was dr- full dry line. And that driver was two seconds off the pace. So you always kind of roll the dice uh, when you're trying to, you know, get lucky with hoping it rains again or doesn't dry up, whatever it may be. But as I had said before, the Saturday was actually declared a rain race at uh, at the driver's meeting. So again, it was, it was your choice at that point. Uh, anytime you go to... Um, 
Sonoma, you know, tic-tac-toe, that uh, kind of right-left, right combination he- heading down out of turn one is going to be interesting. Drivers like to be very aggressive there. And race director Taylor Jocelyn, he, he wanted, I think he wanted to put some limits. He didn't want guys launching all the way over it. So he put a cone in tack in the middle. Now, I loved it. He, he brought the tape measure right out, David, and actually tape measured right from the side of the, the racing surface, right to the edge of the cone at 60 inches. So we all know that we have a 55-inch wide go-kart, right? <laughs> we measure, you get measured afterwards so you don't, you don't have the, a too wide on the track width. So if you hit the cone, none of your cart was on the racing surface. And so to do that, uh, if, you, if you hit the cone, then it was a 10-second penalty. And there were guys that fought, tried to fight it. And there were guys, and the, but the, dude, there was a couple drivers that hit it like four or five times. <laughs> Just like, what are you doing? Um, it was interesting, but there were, there were drivers that couldn't figure it out. But the bottom line was it, it really played a good role in, in making sure guys weren't exceeding track limits in that part of tic-tac-toe. Imagine that. And a race director finally putting in track limits. Yeah. Now, yeah. mind you, he probably could have done it at the first event too when in the rain, uh, you know, but again, it's, it's not like you're typically, you're not going off surface. You're just going outside the actual line. You know, when we talked about yeah. cow speed and the rain lines and stuff like that, but yeah, so, it's a feet up the rain, yeah. so it's a little yeah. different situation because again, it's all, it's, it's, it's the same surface. It's just, you're, you're not, you're going outside the line. This it's is, a chicane this, too. Yeah. This, it's a chicane, right? This is a curb. This is, you know, this is, you know, this is like what you, I I can, you can relate it to uh, Coda and the Indy cars going off the, off over the curb and, and Homestead even going over the curb and onto, onto another surface. That's not the actual racing surface. And where this is, this is like what we saw at uh, Grand Junction where guys were flying over um, actual grass. Because I'm, I'm sure with it being green, there was actually grass and tic-tac-toe this year. Well, one thing I, I always worry about is, yeah, you know, you could stop by putting a plastic barrier in there, right? But then somebody gets together and you end up having, having somebody go nose into a barrier. And they're, and they're significantly heavy. You're not going to put water in it, obviously. It's just a barrier. So if it's windy, it blows all over the place. But you don't want someone going head on into a barrier. Because the damage, there's potential damage, right? So, um, well, it's a safety to hazard. To, it's, a safety, it's a safety issue. Correct. So you put that cone down and you mark, and the fact that he marked, and, and trust me, he was very adamant at the driver's meeting. It's 60 inches out, guys. If you hit it you know, with your 55 inch wide cart, if you hit it, you're, you, you know, you've, you're tracking, you've, you've lost, you've, uh, you've you've lost control, basically, is what well, he's telling done, you. Yeah. And a bunch of, yeah, it was, it was, it, I don't think it was any guys, well, a couple of guys in senior maybe, but mostly the junior guys that were really struggling with it, jumping over the, trying to jump over tic-tac-toe and, and, you know, William Ferguson got nailed with it one time as well. So um, I liked it. Great approach, safe, because it was just a cone. And maybe I'd like to see that maybe happen more places. It probably could have happened at Homestead at the Scusa Race, as you said. You're not going to do it with IndyCar and Coda, but um, I like it. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a big fan of letting the track go wide open like that. The track's there for a reason. It's designed to have to make it through tic-tac-toe, which is, I think is a great part of the racetrack. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I didn't do it that well. Uh, Andy Saisman sent me a video. Apparently I ripped the bottom of my seat out. So I was probably not doing it as good as I could have, <laughs> but uh, you know what? Let's wrap up this paddock pass with an interesting thing because I, this for, for me, as you're in the paddock, I thought this was super cool. You know, we've got 
you got your pro classes, right? You've got your senior rock, you've got your shifter rock, where it's the drivers who are between 14, 15, and, and whatever, 18, 19, whatever it may be. But then you get a couple of, uh, of veteran drivers who still have the skill set, who are still in the shape you need to be to run with these young guns. And I'm talking about Ronnie White in shifter, uh, shifter rock. And I'm talking about Wesley Boswell, who's now working with Eddie Shimon, um, who the Shimon said, hey, Wesley, we need, how about you keep driving so we got data? Here's two guys. White's 40 plus, uh, four, I don't know, maybe 41 or 40 or 41. Boswell, I'm not sure. He's got to be in his mid 30s. I'm not sure, even sure how old Boswell 30, is. Both of these. Going to be 35 pretty soon. And both of these guys could easily run, uh, you know, run the Masters categories and be winning Masters races, but instead run the senior class. Ronnie White ends up, we'll get into it in the race report. Ronnie White, White ends up sweeping the weekend. And it's his home track, of course, but sweeps the weekend, wins the championship in senior rock against some badasses uh, in senior shifter. And Wesley Boswell did was running up front all weekend long, winning sessions, qualifying on pole. It just, for me, I just think to see those veteran drivers out there showing what they've got was a, was a, an awesome storyline. Well, I don't think Ronnie White is, is much of a surprise for a lot of the California drivers because sure. they see him racing typically, you know, five to six, seven times a year, uh, especially, you know, along in California. I think Boswell is more of the surprise because they typically see him yelling at drivers and <laughs> on the sidelines and driver coaching more than they see him actually driving. I think he's done a couple super nats here or there, nothing, you know, significant results, but still, you know, a very sound driver racing in S1, uh, you know, on a one-off type deal, which is really hard to do as we know. But yeah, to uh, to to come, you know, it, the the funny thing was is that uh, Tucson, it was like, man, I didn't even know Boswell was that good, and it's like, really? Are you, how do you not know who Wesley Boswell is on the cover of Shifter Card Illustrated magazine? Well, but again, a lot of these kids who are in the junior and senior categories weren't even born when he won that Super Nats race, so that's true. That's kind of the issue, you know. When you don't see, you don't know. So, you know, you don't see just like, you know, teams, you don't know what happens inside those tents unless you actually see what goes on firsthand. So it's kind of, you know, the same thing with with a lot of these coaches that, you know, a lot of people have never seen race. But, you know, those of us who have been in the sport for 15 years or more understand where these guys came from. That's a great point. Yeah, we'll have to start. I'll, I'll have to scan some Shifter Card Illustrated uh, covers so that we can throw them up there for some of these young kids in the in the mini and junior categories, even some of them in senior. Because think about it. You're right, David. A 14 or a 15 year old senior uh, was born, you know, b- after Boswell won at the Supernats, right? Yeah. If you're 15, you were born in 2004, yeah. or could be 2004. And when, when did Boswell win? 2003. And three. <laughs> He's racing against guys that weren't even born when he, when he uh, won the Supernats. When he, ended, yeah. when he won the Supernats. That's crazy. That's awesome. Uh, listen, I, I mentioned this before. That's the same thing because you know, we do age, and this is bound to happen. I was telling someone on the weekend that, you know, here I am. The, the issue with me, right? And I love, I'm, I'm all for Masters racing. It's fun. I'm 50 now. But when I first got started in the sport covering races in 93, 94, and 95 back in, here in Ontario, um, the drivers that I covered who were in the cadet classes, like not, they called it novice in Canada, but novice at eight, nine years of age. I have to race against them now in masters. That's an issue. And they're having kids who are now racing. And now they're having kids yeah. that are now racing. Yeah. No doubt about that. You're right. It's the second generation, third generation stuff that makes me feel a little older. 
but all good. I got a chance to race that it's at Sonoma. So uh, you always feel young when you get behind the wheel. Uh, folks, uh, let's go to our next break here. When we come back and start, uh, it's time to start talking about the actual racing that happened at Sonoma. We'll, we'll go through all the categories, of course, starting things off with, you know, the senior and junior rock categories. We'll talk about shifters. Uh, that'll come up after this break. If you want to drive the best, drive a CRG. Our countless race wins and championships prove this fact, including taking the KZ Finals at the Scusa Super Nationals and the CIK World Championships in both 2016 and 2017. Our material is second to none. After years of independent American importers, CRG is now managed directly by the factory and run out of our state-of-the-art headquarters in Texas. CRG Nordam is the American arm of the CRG factory in Italy, and we're serious about success. We stock a wide variety of parts in all of our chassis, from the CRG Hero for the mini categories, to the Heron for taggeries, the Road Rebel for gearbox competition, and the new FS4, which has been designed specifically for American four-cycle Briggs racing. If you're ready to step up to the national level, do it with a factory race team that competes across the USA. CRG Nordam is a full factory effort with the best personnel and the finest equipment. We're serious about winning, and you should be too. Join Rockers at the upcoming Rock Fest in Biloxi, Mississippi, taking place at Finish Line Performance Karting, May 30th to June 2nd on Biloxi's Beachfront. Tickets to the Rock International Final will be awarded to race winners, with the entire podium receiving Rock the Rio entries. You won't want to miss it. Visit rockcupusa.com for more information and to register for Rockfest Battle at the Beach. Welcome back to the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. Rob Howden and David Cole providing the review of the final rounds of the Challenge of the Americas, rounds five and six, up at Sim Raceway Performance Karting Center in Sonoma, California. Time to jump into the race report today, presented by Bell Racing USA. Be confident in the risks you take on track, knowing that you're t- not taking a risk with your safety. Bell Racing USA designs and develops innovative, technically superior helmets to maximize protection and enhance driver performance. Curious why the world's best race car drivers use Bell? Bell Racing USA has the lightest helmets with the highest standards in all of motorsports. Check out the only CMR-rated all-carbon helmet in the world, the new KC7 Carbon CMR. Joined by the Youth uh, GP.2 Youth, the KC7CMR, and the RS7K for adults, you won't find a better product to keep you safe when behind the wheel. Check us out at www.bellracing.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook on their new account. It's Bell Racing USA HQ. Follow them on all three social media platforms. Very cool, actually, David. I actually use my new uh, RS7 Carbon at uh, at the race. Uh, that's uh, I had uh, I had a new helmet from Bell. Got a chance to wear some some cool new Sparco stuff uh, that uh, the guy sent over that I was able to test. The, the shoes were man, it's unbelievably comfortable. I actually got a chance even to use the rain suit, which which is badass. So, and I, I can say this surprisingly, if you take care of it quickly, even the suit itself is a bit, uh, the Sparco suit's actually kind of water resistant. 
because at least at least I know it's champagne resistant <laughs> because I got hosed, I got hosed down by Jimmy Gregory. <laughs> I bet it smells though. <laughs> it actually wasn't bad. It beat it off decently. I you know beat it off and then I was able to wipe enough of it off, so it didn't smell fantastic. But yeah, it's a Saturday champagne spray, which should never happen. Saturday, never. I thought that was Sunday. He's- no, he sprayed it on Saturday. Oh, that's even better. It's even worse. I, I, bet, I bet the I bet the trailer smelled like champagne. Well, this is it. We're standing on the podium. And he's got the champagne. I know what he's going to do, and I'm trying to tell him. Listen, you don't sp- spray champagne on each other on Saturdays because there's two races. You never do it. On, Jimmy didn't care. No, I got no. It's better sh- better to be champagne than Fireball. That's very true. Very true. All right, this is the race report section. Let's go into the uh, the senior rock category. Uh, on Saturday, uh, again, remember this is when we had the the wet, so it was everything was kind of mixed up a bit during that qualifying session on Saturday. Uh, Bajoy Garg, the quickest in the senior rock category. When things dialed in, though, David, for the pre-final, uh, Jordan Redland really stepped things up. Uh, he had great speed. Uh, by the time we got into the uh, into the main event, we were dry. Uh, and Redland left, led the first 15 laps. And to be honest, again, this, you know, this category, I was, I was at this point done with my racing was back in, was getting, you know, I'd got caught up with all the social media results postings and it, in watching it, I'm like, Redland's going to win his first, his first challenge race. He looked that good out front. Uh, the main's 22 laps long. Uh, but the driver on the move was Jake Drew, uh, Jake running a cosmic with the, uh, the guys from, uh, HRT, uh, the, uh, you know, Stu Hainer's crew. Um, and he was just on the move. He was the guy that was coming over um, and was and was working his way forward. Uh, he ends up getting by, takes over the lead. Jake Drew gets the win. Uh, Jordan Redland in second. I know tough for him. He, I know Daryl Redland, his dad, you know, kind of walked by uh, on the uh, on pit lane at, at Sonoma, as David will tell you. We're able to see everybody walking from the grid across to the scales. And he was just so close to getting that first win. But interesting, and you can talk a bit about it, David, uh, how it's gone through the season for Cooper Becklin. Here's a kid that we've watched come through, you know, the the, the mini, the junior ranks. Uh, he's had a great had a great season coming. He was the fast driver uh, to get those most bonus points. Actually started in the seventh position, got fast lap, ended up coming up to third. So Becklin with a third place finish on the Saturday, I think crucial to how things were going to change for him in terms of trying to win the championship on Sunday. For sure. And and that's the one thing that we've seen throughout the senior season in this series is is a number of drivers that have just stepped up and, you know, Drew getting getting the victory is a good step up for him. And as we saw, Redland's been fast at every track we've gone to as well, too. And then you throw in Beckland there coming up with fast lap of the race. Um, that's three different drivers that definitely had the uh, opportunity to to be uh, triumphant. This time it just happened to be Drew. You know, as we go through the the race report, we're going to talk uh, in a number of categories about drivers who actually came into Sonoma and went and grabbed the championship. You know, this wasn't it wasn't a deal where they were going back and forth and people were winning different sessions. And you know, when we talk about Derek Wang, it's, and we're we're talking about Cooper Beckham, same thing. Went out and and Ronnie White went out and dominated the weekend to grab that championship. And I think Becklin, not so much dominant, but was really good on Saturday, which sets up for you know the opportunity on Sunday, you can make a huge mistake in, on Saturday and maybe that becomes your drop race. And that just puts you on your back feet, right? You, you, on your heels. You got to be able to, you, you want to make sure you have a good Saturday kind of frees you up a little bit for Sunday. And that was kind of the way for Becklin Sunday morning. We're dry. 
Boswell, as we talked about, steps up, puts it on the pole, which I loved because that was just that exclamation point of, guys, I'm here on the Tony cart. I'm ready to rock. He qualifies pole. Yeah, but what? But it, he is familiar with the track. I mean, come on. Uh, it's not a big surprise. Yes, he's won there. Tucson was a little bit more of a surprise because he hasn't raced there probably ever. But listen, is there not? Is there a track on the challenge that he hasn't been there with when he was with Rawlson Performance Group? Just good point. Pounding out laps, right? You know, testing and and and, and driver coaching. He knows all these good tracks. Point. He knows good all point. these tracks. Good but point. yes, he's had success at Sonoma before, so it's not like we went to a track he's never been to and he was a rock star. I just I just like the fact that he he qualified on pole and you know you're able to walk out. You know you're able to walk out of the scales with that P1 position. Now he holds that spot for the pre-final as well. Ends up winning the pre-final, uh, but. You know, when we do jump into the uh, to the to the main event, Boswell was strong. There's no doubt about it. He uh, uh, out of the box, you know, led early. Everything was fine. But again, talking about people stepping up to try to win a championship for me, it was Beckland because you know Beckland starts well but falls back to fourth early. Now, you know how these races—they're 22 laps long, right? As long as you're decently into that lead pack, you know, within a couple of seconds, three seconds, whatever it may be up front you can let the cart come in settle in and then go to work and essentially that's what that's what Becklin did right he fell back to fourth as I said but then just kind of once that cart came in David he just started working forward he's able and he gets the Boswell before even the halfway point like he's not it's not we're not talking later in the race he was able to get there slip by Boswell on lap number nine and goes on to, to score the win and and you know for for me you look, there's a lot of great drivers, David. You, you again, you were there at the first two rounds uh, at Cal Speed in Tucson. There's a lot of great drivers in that senior rock category, and to see a kid like Becklin, who you know was kind of a top five guy in in the mini, and then the same in junior, really has come into his own, getting a lot of seat time, and that he ends up winning the championship on the strength of uh, you know the great runs he had. Second on Saturday, he wins on on Sunday. Wins the ticket to the Rock Cup International Final. But, he, you know, this is a guy that really has come into his own and to beat some really impressive drivers. Well, it was kind of a similar uh, scenario he had in Tucson where he was he he had to come up and catch Jake Drew, caught Jake Drew, passed him for the lead, and then was able to secure it uh, for the victory. And, and so it's a similar situation. But, again, as you said, Becklin, the only driver – to stand on the podium five times in the senior category. So that alone helps definitely in the championship chase and put him P one in the title hunt. So, uh, you know, anytime you stand on the podium, five of six races, you're, you're going to be in the hunt for the championship. Especially in that class, right. With that, with that kind of competition, like you said, there's multiple different winners and, uh, and just a lot of great drivers in, in that senior class. And for me, again, you look back at Becklin, 2016 in the challenge, he was running in Minimax. Like we're talking, we're talking four, you know, three years ago, three and a half years ago. He finished fourth overall on Mini in 2016. He was 22nd in his in his Junior Max debut. Didn't run the opening round, so let's throw that out. Fifth last year in Junior, and his debut year in Senior, and he comes out over you know a, a stout field to win the championship. But he's going to represent the challenge at the Rock Cup International Final this year. That's that's. It, I'm I'm really interested in seeing what he does when he gets to start to to, to Italy to to South Garda for this year's Rock Cup International Final. What's he going to do, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's good to see, you know, like you said, the progression because again, he wasn't a standout driver in Cadet and Junior, so to see him step up 
um, this year, it's definitely a break breakthrough uh, performance for him this this winter season. So Beckland does get the win, gets by Boswell's asset on lap number nine. Colby Dubato actually coming through to third to, ca- to cap the podium. Uh, all in all, uh, a great season of racing for the senior rock class. And, and again, with 15 drivers on the grid, you know, you add a half dozen, all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're over that 20 mark and and uh, it gets even tougher and tougher. And I, I expect that we'll see that uh, throughout the entire program in 2020. Moving now to Junior Rock, David, we, you know, a lot of the times we go to these these uh, winter series events, someone's going to hit the mark, someone's going to get in the groove, and you know they're going to be up front for a majority of the of the year. Uh, William Ferguson having a, re- a really good season, uh, running with um, Austin Elliott at Speed Sense Motorsports. He qualifies on pole on Saturday uh, in that in the in the tougher conditions. Ethan Ho ends up winning the pre final, but then we go racing in the main event and. The thing about turn one, right? When we're, when you're running in the clock, was it clockwise national at, uh, uh, at Sonoma, it's that run kind of up the hill to turn one off camber, right-hander, you know, back down the hill stuff can happen in turn one. And, and, and it did, it, it kind of got a little crazy. Um, Ferguson didn't have the best pre-final. So he started actually back in the fifth position, uh, early on Liam Lech able to go to the lead. Then Nolan Siegel actually took the point. Nolan, uh, a driver we don't see, you know, we don't see him a lot on the national scene. Pretty much runs uh, in in the California program, runs in this, you know, the, the Rock California deal, or rather the Rock Sonoma program. He's done some Supercarts USA racing. Nolan actually running this year in in USF 2000 in the Road to Indy with uh, with Newman Walks Racing. Uh, he was really impressive all weekend long. Was kind of in the fight there in the top four. But the bottom line is very similar to what we saw from Becklin in the senior main event. Ferguson did the same thing. Started in the fifth position, you know, settled in over the first couple of laps, let that cart come to him, then slowly started to move forward. Nolan Siegels has had to take in the lead. And again, just like Becklin, lap nine was the move. He's able to make uh, make the pass on Siegel and then pulls away to a three-second win over Ethan Ho. Liam Letch actually holding on to finish uh, in that uh, in that third position to cap the podium. But, you know, again, very when we talk about this, and go, you know, fast forward, look, look at the end of the weekend, Ferguson ends up getting the victory, uh, the championship rather. And just like Becklin had a strong and even stronger, obviously ends up with the win, but that strong round five performance that sets up, makes things a little easier on Sunday. Well, the victory certainly helped position him to challenge for the title because Ethan Ho yeah. came into the weekend as a point leader. So Anytime you get that victory on Saturday, it sets up for a little bit more pressure uh, going into Sunday on for both drivers. Well, you know, obviously with Ethan finishing in the second spot, it's not like you know it wasn't a big title swing either. It was still very, very tight uh, on Sunday. Well, sixteen points to sixteen points, right? Yeah, <laughs> it is, and that's what it comes down to, right? It comes down to the fact, then the fast lap, and then the points from the pre-final, which Ho was able to get. So, you know, you're just you're always just trying to give yourself that little that little gap that you know that you could finish second on Sunday if you had to, right, to, to, and still win the championship. Because, again, you're always trying to win every race. But uh, you, when you think macro, it's winning that championship and getting a chance to go to Italy to run at the Rock Cup International Final. Sunday was dry, beautiful, uh, especially when the main events came around. It was gorgeous. Uh, Ferguson qualifying on the pole. He actually won the pre-final as well, but if you look at the results, Macy Williams actually, P1, she starts the final from the pole position. 
Ferguson, one of the guys that got the 10 second penalty for exceeding track limits in tic-tac-toe. He, he was, like I said, the junior drivers were getting pretty aggressive down there in that corner. And uh, yeah, he got, he got nabbed. I think he was the only guy in that pre-final that got nabbed as the leader. And, you know, David, with the pace he has, he probably didn't need to push that hard. Well, if you're the first one to go through and you hit the cone, it opens it up for everybody, everybody else. else right? could, <laughs> I never thought about that. Everybody else could just plow through. You're right. <laughs> um, in the main event, regardless, um, Ferguson able to get back to the lead. He wins by by nine seconds. Uh, they had that that cart dialed in. They're running the Esprit chassis. You know, uh, Austin Elliott had it dialed in. He was coaching up uh, William in, in a big way, and he he wins by nine seconds. Uh, double weekend win at Sonoma, and again talking about coming in and taking control of the championship on the final weekend, right? You said David they came in. He and Ethan Ho so close coming in, but and and hey, listen, let's not take anything away from Ethan, right? What a breakout season he's had already. He was second on Sunday. Uh, Liam Letch again in third. But Ethan Hope threw everything he could at it. It was just Ferguson having a, almost a perfect weekend to a certain extent to be able to you know win that championship narrowly. Um, in the end, David Ferguson outscores Ho, two hundred and thirty-five points to one hundred and ninety-eight points on the Sonoma weekend. He wins by you know it's, he wins by fourteen points, but he was thirty-seven more points on the weekend. Well, both drivers had six podiums on the year so that's you know that makes the championship that much closer but as you said when you have three wins to one win the the three wins typically uh gets gets the advantage but not always but that's you know again why you know ethan ho did very well was top three and i and it looked like every all but one session two sessions sorry so top three and all but two sessions on the year so six six days of racing top three through basically throughout this whole series. So a very impressive performance by him, but just that, that victory on Sunday, you know, that's what uh, propelled uh, uh, Ferguson to the title, the victory and grabbing those, you know, when you, when you're grabbing those fast lap bonuses as well. And that was, that's five points. It's not, it's not, it's not five points. It's a 10 point swing, right? If you can get the five points and somebody else doesn't get it, it ends up being a overall, it ends up being a ten point swing, but uh, neat. and and then and then winning is is a twenty point you swing because it's ten point difference there. Yeah. So just it's at least you know it's decided between those two. There was nothing, uh, you know, no uh, no issues regarding tech or no issues regarding on track calls. It was just decided between those two drivers. Indeed, and uh, kudos to uh, William Ferguson for scoring that championship again. He will go to the Rock Cup International Final. Uh, just to kind of lay out the awards too, so I'm not doing it the whole time. So Rock Cup International final for the you know the primary rock category, second place with a entry ticket to the Rock the Rio event in Las Vegas in November. Third place got a entry into the into a Rock California series event of their choice. And in the categories that don't have the uh, didn't have the Rock Cup International final tickets, the micro hundred cc. Um, Senior and Masters, third place getting uh, – actually, first place got the Rock the Rio. Second place got the um, the ticket to the uh, the Rock California event. And third third place, rather, getting the tires and fuel. So a ton of stuff getting handed out. No doubt about that. So pretty so cool So that means stuff. you got tires and fuel. 
<laughs> well, no, that was for championships. I, I oh no, you're right. I, I did get yeah. I, I finished third. No, That's no, there, right. was, there was only there, there was I was third overall in the championship. I know. No, there it was, doesn't count because you weren't there enough. No, it was just again uh, Jimmy Gregory winning the Rock the Rio in that one. We'll talk about that later. Uh, let's move into Shift the Rock because just you you look at the names, David, in Shift the Rock. Number one, a great field of, car- of carts, uh, but the names, guys that have won national events. Uh, in all the different programs over the last number of years, right? You're talking about Danny Formal, Ronnie White. You're talking about Hunter Pickett. Zach Pettinici's turned into one of the you know the top drivers in, in the in the shifter cart ranks now. R- some really solid talent in, in the shifter cart category. On Saturday, uh, Ronnie White in the tougher conditions, um, you know, able to no- use his local knowledge. He qualifies on the pole. Uh, Danny Formal running with Greg Bell at Leading Edge Motorsports on the on the Formula K. He wins the pre-final, uh, and then away we go for the first main event of the weekend. Formal leads from the pole position, but Ronnie White, I just I just feel like he, he wasn't going to be denied on the weekend. You know, his local track, he's got so much seat time there. He is he is most definitely on his game right now. His, his Ron White racing crew, he, you know, has obviously he had Rod Clenard under the tent. He's got Patrick O'Neill. You know, there's a bunch of, CRGs under Ronnie's tent, and he's just got good momentum right now. Um, he gets by early with Formal, but then he's got to battle it with, with with Hunter Pickett. Pickett going back and forth. They're they're swapping. They swapped the lead. I, I want to say three different times um, throughout it. But in the end, White ends up getting the lead on lap fifteen, drops the fast lap on lap twenty one to get max points from that from that uh, from that race. And again, like everybody else. You know, you'd almost, I almost want to pull out the Chris Wheeler term, right, that we use at the Supernats for Situation Saturday because that's what it was. It was that opportunity for, for Ron to get that gap again on Saturday, scoring a race win. Yeah, going into the weekend, he came in leading the championship thanks to three straight runner-up performances because there hadn't been a clear-cut dominant driver yet uh, in the championship chase with Pettinici winning one round, Nikki Hayes winning another, and then Hunter Pickett winning two after struggling really, uh, really hard in, uh, in, in Cal speed. So, so white came in with a championship lead and, and anytime you get a victory that just builds on that momentum. And to get that at your home track, you, the momentum built throughout the entire weekend, as I said, a pretty impressive run, Ronnie white said, Fast lap to get that five-point bonus as well on lap 21 of a 22-lapper. So the cart kept coming in through the entire race. Uh, Hunter Pickett ends up in second uh, on the GFC and Danny Formal rounding things out in the third spot. Moving to Sunday, and again, pretty much the same drivers kind of in the hunt up front. Uh, uh, Danny Formal uh, qualifies on pole. Hunter Pickett gets the pre-final win to start on the pole position. He leads the opening lap. Uh, but Ronnie White, you know, again, momentum, confidence. Um, he wanted to go out and win this championship, and he took the lead early. Like, I want to say lap one, lap two, I think he was able to get by, was never challenged, ends up winning by over four seconds, and it was just one of those dominant runs that Ronnie White used to show us back in the early 2000s. Um, he ends up in cruising through, boom, wins by five seconds, Formal was in the fight, but uh, some an issue, a, sh- a shift linkage failure, I believe it was on lap number 10, puts him on the sidelines. So another good run for Pickett. And, and, you know, David, you mentioned some of his struggles from Cal Speed, where he really wasn't able to get out of the gate well. 
he capped it off strongly. Uh, a couple of a good finishes, second in both the main events um, to to be right there in the championship. Cole Bailey, another one of Gary Carlton's drivers on the on the GFC chassis, he was actually third on the racetrack. Uh, but again, like William Ferguson, he got hit with a 10-second penalty uh, for exceeding track limits uh, in tic-tac-toe. But in a category this close, uh, that 10 seconds didn't drop him a spot and actually dropped him from third all the way down to eighth. That hurts, especially, you know, this that category is so close, David. 10 seconds and, you know, you go from you, – you don't have that gap, right? Right. In, in the top in the top yeah as, as you said it's such a strong field that a lot of these guys are within 10th 10th of a second per lap uh, uh, you know next to each other so it's it's yeah. not uh not an easy uh penalty to take that's for sure tough pill to swallow of course for cole bailey he would love to be on the podium but that did move enzo prevo into the uh, the third spot from fourth and i know that uh, his coach mamo gailey was was uh was pretty jacked up to see enzo uh, up on the podium. I know that, uh, you know, Mamo's been working with him for a little while and, and he's really turned up his game as well. Yeah. He's another one of those guys that like a Pedanichi where he's slowly getting there, slowly getting there. Uh, Prevost ending the season fourth in the championship behind Pedanichi, who was third. And then of course, Hunter Pickett second. And as you said, you know, Pickett had a good four rounds winning two races in Tucson and then placing runner up both times to white in Sonoma. So, you know, you, if it, if it wasn't for that Cal Speed weekend, you know these two would have been. If you eliminate that, these two were pretty head, you know, head to head are yeah. uh, pretty evenly matched. And and it was a rough weekend overall, right? Was it not for Pickett in in Cal Speed? Like it's not like he could have just dropped the one race. It was just, no, it was both both rounds. Yeah. Again, again, it was you know that wet to dry situation, <laughs> and then all wet on the next day. So it was uh, it was just a you know it wasn't necessarily anything against him just one of those bad racing weekends so now let's we'll talk about white win in the championship big weekend for him uh grabs both wins takes a hold of the uh the the crown with both hands here's the question though what's he going to do in italy he's going to the rock cup international final he's 40 something 40 41 years of age i think we know it i don't think I, i think i don't know if ron white will ever run in the masters category i'm not sure if he'll ever want to do that i i'd like you know, we've seen so many good top drivers in, that were pros, pro shifter drivers, make that move, right, to the Masters class. Not sure if Ronnie's a guy that will do that. He could go over to to, to South Garda and I think be like a, an easy an easy shot at winning in the Masters class, right? Because he could run Masters if he wanted. Or does he go run senior senior rock uh, shifter over at Garda and, and try to go for the overall win there? Well, the – you know, last year it was combined. Like they recognized the the master, the top master driver in the shifter category, if I recall correctly. So, um, you know, I don't know if they're going to separate that division out. So again, you know, we saw last year, you know, a, a little guy named Rubens Barrichello do very well uh, in the shifter category. Uh, so <laughs> I think, you know, with Ron White's talents, uh, you know, he could definitely be a contender to be in the main event. Uh, in just the regular rock category, rock shifter category, uh, going over there at the international final. If they run them together, he should run as a Masters, and then beat everybody as a Masters. True, he has that option. Right, he has that option. As long as it's the, as long as it's the same weight, I don't know if yeah. it's the same weight or not. We'll have to we'll, we'll confirm that. All right. Anyways, kudos to Ron White. Pretty impressive. Uh, you know, part of the group of drivers who went in. Uh, to the Sonoma and not they didn't just battle for the championship they took control of the weekend 
and walked out with a crown, which I think was impressive. Uh, let's ca- cap off this first section of the race report. Again, the race report brought to you by Bell Racing USA uh, with Master Shifter Rock. Great numbers there as well. 11 drivers in the category and a number of the, of the pilots that we've seen up front in Masters Racing over the last number of years. On Saturday, Nick Firestone ends up with uh, the uh, pole position in qualifying. But Rod Clenard on the CRG, again, running with Ron White Racing out here in the, in the West Coast events, runs right with CRG Nordam at a lot of other races. He wins the pre-final. Um, in the main, uh, the interesting about the main is that Patrick O'Neill knows this racetrack. And Patrick, you know, we've seen him run Supercarts USA events. Uh, he's, of course, jumped on board with the Rock program up at, uh, up at Sonoma. Um, it's just, Clenard's good out of the gate. But so is Patrick O'Neill. O'Neill always gets strong starts. And uh, Clenard able to go to the lead, obviously starts on pole. He goes to the lead for the first five laps. But then O'Neill slips by, and then Ben Schirmerhorn slips by as well. And Schirmerhorn's always a great story, right? The, the family team on the Burrell Art uh, chassis. They both get by on consecutive laps. O'Neill ends up going to grab the win. Uh, again, huge win, super pumped, you know, local driver, winning a challenge race at Sonoma. Schirmerhorns ends up in the second spot, but Rod Clenard, David, still gets fast lap of the race, ends up uh, finishing third to log important championship points. Yeah, going into the weekend, Clenard was a standout driver uh, in the championship chase. So obviously landing on the podium was probably the first goal for, for Rod, and then winning was the second goal. So, But anytime you go up against O'Neill at Sonoma, that's a, it's a hard challenge. <laughs> That's it, because he does, like Ronnie White, he knows this racetrack very well. Ron's, of course, got a great uh, book of data for all his drivers in the, in the shifter cart categories, and uh, and O'Neill, uh, really strong out of the box. We go to Sunday, and Clenard again, boom. Uh, you know, bonus points are always up for grabs in qualifying, and qualifying, and Rod just chipping away. You said he came into the weekend with a good hold on the championship, right? He had a great first uh, four events. So he's just not, he's just making sure that other guys don't get the points. He qualifies on pole. But really this day, I think, I think more belonged to Ben Schirmerhorn because throughout the entire weekend, they were really down in that Burrell Art chassis. And Schirmerhorn ends up winning the pre-final. As we go to the main event, Schirmerhorn, of course, on the pole. Uh, O'Neill on the off pole. And as I said earlier, O'Neill, he's a, he's a beast off the line. Always gets a really solid start. He's able to get the whole shot and, and take over the, the lead. But Schirmerhorn went right to the front, like immediately went to the lead and he just paced the entire race. He didn't walk away, but he paced the entire race, ends up winning by two seconds. Rod Clenard actually was in the hunt in the pre-final, but early, I want to say midway through the pre-final, he ended up losing the hose, the water hose uh, uh, coming through turn one. And a number of drivers went off behind him when he flooded the track. Uh, but he starts 11th in the final, essentially at the very tail of the grid for drivers in the Masters Shifter Rock category. Starts 11th, uh, works his way back to third throughout the weekend. So, you know, a couple of third-place finishes on the podium for both races, David. And Rod Clenard ends up winning the championship over Nick Firestone. Yeah, on the strength of three wins, but also six straight podium finishes. Yeah, six straight podium finishes going to definitely put you at the top of the of the standings yeah. for sure. And again, you know, great job by Ben Schirmerhorn picking up his first series victory. And again, if he wouldn't have been at if he would have gone to Cal Speed, he probably would have challenged Clunard there for uh, 
for the championship. If not, you know, at least move Firestone or Chen off the uh, championship podium. Yeah, it's definitely going to shake some people up when they're thinking about next year. They're not going to miss any races <laughs> when you get a chance to go to Italy to run the Rock Cup International Final like Rod Clenard will this year. Uh, you can't miss races if you want to try to win a championship. All right, folks, there uh, is our first four categories. I've got, uh, what, one, two, three, five more to go. We'll talk Masters Rock, 100cc Senior, 100cc Master, Mini and Micro Rock when we get back from this break. In a sport where the difference between winning and losing is measured in hundreds of a second, you can't afford to leave anything on the table. You invest in the best equipment, the lightest components, and top-of-the-line data acquisition systems. Anything to find one more tent, right? I'll tell you right now, the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the new state-of-the-art speed sports racing park just north of Houston, the Allen Rudolph Racing Academy uses the very best equipment, Burrell Art Carts. They offer half-day, one-day, two-day, and three-day clinics. They have a one-on-one student-to-instructor ratio, and they will design a customized curriculum for each student. Alan Rudolph is one of the most respected people in the sport, and he has nearly 20 years' experience training drivers, including Chase Elliott, Neil Alberico, Austin Versteeg, and Sabre Cook, and rising stars like Pietro Fittipaldi. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Start off your season with a driver tune-up. Tune up your season with some driver coaching. Or get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866-607-7223. For more information, visit speedsportsracingpark.com slash racing hyphen academy. Top quality material, all presented in fluorescent yellow. You've seen it, and now you need to choose the flow. Since 2005, J3 Competition has been capturing major victories and championships both on and off the track, redefining the industry with each move. The company took its unparalleled knowledge and rolled it into their own chassis line in 2015, the Comp Cart. The CIK FIA homologated brand has been winning races ever since. There are three comp cart models to choose from. The Covert 3.0 R19 is the latest design for tag and shifter competition. The Covert 4R serves several popular categories, including 100cc and Briggs 206 racing. The Ranger 28 model is designed for cadet racing and will be the official chassis of the Minimax division at the 2019 Rotax Challenge Grand Finals in Sarno, Italy. And lastly, new carters can get right into the comp cart product from the beginning, running the micro cart in the kid cart division. Visit j3competition.com for more on the fastest growing chassis line in the world. Do it now. Choose the flow. Welcome back to episode number 47 of the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. It's April the 16th, 2019. And myself, Rob Howden, and David Cole reviewing the 2019 Challenge of the Americas and the final rounds, rounds five and six at Sim Raceway Performance Carding Center 
in Sonoma. All in all, a great weekend. Had some rain a little bit on Friday, a little bit on Saturday morning. Sunday, though, the sun came out, blue skies, a little bit of cloud, but otherwise uh, just a fantastic day to cap off the challenge. Uh, Again, back into the race report brought to you today by Bell Racing USA. Uh, In the Masters Rock, another one of our instances where a driver came in in the middle of a tight, tight championship battle and really went in and grabbed a hold of it by the horns, being the, I don't say the dominant driver, but winning races, which is key. On Saturday morning, Nick DeGraff qualifying on the pole in the VME. But from then on, it was all Derek Wang. Uh, Derek, of course, with Stepanova Nikhil uh, on the wrenches, on the FA. He wins the pre-final. Tony Kart. Uh, he, I thought it was an FA. FA bodywork with Tony Kart chassis. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's I was, funny. I, I, was tent- I was under the same tent as him. Well, you obviously need the eyesight checked. <laughs> I just kept walking. Well, I am colorblind. <laughs> Let's be real. I don't so think I ever really- what's green look like to you? Green? Honestly, I'm red. I'm I'm red, green, and blue, yellow, colorblind. There you so go. So you can't. So look. when it says green, 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 you have no idea until somebody says. But it, it. would have been. You know what? I got to look. <laughs> I do. I just look at the guy waving it. Of course. Uh, Wang ends up winning the pre-final. Um, it was super tight in qualifying, and this is the thing we love about the Masters class: just twenty-four thousandths of a second separating the top three drivers in qualifying. But uh, once we went wheel-to-wheel racing. Uh, Wang simply not challenged uh, in the uh, in the main event, uh, the 22 lap main event. Top four, once they got rolling, nobody changed. Wang ends up winning, as I said, uh, and then Billy Cleveland in second. He used the primary challenger. Uh, Nick DeGraff, quick all weekend long. He ends up in third. And David Pergandi, who struggled a bit earlier on in the weekend, found some pace um, through both races. Pergandi ends up in fourth. Fast lap bonus for Derek Wang. And, and again, pre-final. The win, fast lap bonus. David, that's the way to do it, right? You're coming. And, and the funny thing is, I want to say that I think they missed giving him the fast lap bonus in the race. And he came in on Sunday morning and was like, I want to make sure I get my bonus. <laughs> <laughs> because because he knew, right? When you're in a championship like that, that five points can be so crucial. Yeah, but he didn't really need it uh, when, when you got no. done with Sunday's action, did he? True, true, true. Let's, let's jump into Sunday's action. All Derek Wang qualifies on the pole, wins the pre-final, wins by over seven seconds over Billy Cleveland again. And you got to give it up for Cleveland. We'll talk in a second about the way the championship was. Billy just never gave up, but just didn't have the pace to challenge Derek all weekend long. He was just a couple of second place finishes for Billy Cleveland. Well, these were the two first wins for Derek Wang in the Masters Rock category because he had typically ran the senior category every year that he was at the challenge. So this was his first year in masters. What went on, winless in the first four rounds, but was on the podium all four rounds. So that gave him the championship lead. And then as we said, you got to just step up and, and do what you need to do on the fi- on the finale weekend. And that's what he did. To cap off the podium again, Wang with the win Cleveland second, Rob Kozakowski, uh, who's been a longtime challenge competitor ends up in the third spot. He was chased uh, throughout the race by David Pergande and uh, John Bridinger for the final podium position. But again, David, as you said, you know, four podiums for Wang, but no wins. He comes in here, and the key was he outscored Billy Cleveland uh, by 39 points, 235 to 196 in Sonoma, a 39-point swing with the win, both wins in the main, both fast lap bonuses. He wins by 20 points overall on the championship. That's I, I love a battle at the very end, but this is, again, like so many instances here 
in the final round at Sonoma drivers coming in and really taking control of the weekend. Well, if it wasn't for Nick DeGraff, it would have been a perfect score on the weekend for Derek Wang. True. That's very true. Um, okay, let's move now into 100cc senior. They had, uh, I want to say, five drivers in the category. And this is a class new to the challenge for 2019. And having driven the package, the VLR 100 package, uh, throughout the weekend, I was just, I was thrilled with it, man. This, you know, David, you've talked about the 100cc program. Uh, and how people are embracing it and where it kind of fits in between the Briggs program and, and, you know, maybe the, the quicker, uh, you know, 125cc liquid cool programs. I'm a big fan of it because it was, for me, a thrill all weekend long driving that deal. And, and the senior drivers, damn, they're quick, man. They, uh, they're super fast. Cooper Becklin qualifies pole on Saturday. Colby Dubato ends up, um, in the, uh, the lead for the pre final. In the main event, and I had a pretty good look at it because uh, I was right there. <laughs> I started, uh, I think we're, I think I started actually on the inside of row number four because there was five. Yeah, uh, row three was the fifth place driver in KA, and then on the outside was uh, was Calvin Chan who qualified pole in the Masters class. Uh, they got into it in, in the opening corner. Uh, you know, I can't remember somebody went too deep into the corner. It might have been Jackson Dunn. Something happened, and up and over they went and. Uh, you know, again, I'm diving down on the inside to try to stay out of the way. Uh, Colby Dubato able to get through as well. Uh, Dubato ends up taking control. Um, Becklin's having to come back. He, of course, gets up and over and has to kind of, you know, obviously loses a bunch of space. He's got to come through the Masters field because we got through cleanly. Um, so, again, Dubato ends up getting the win. Cooper Becklin fights back to win by, uh, rather, to, to lose by just a second. He had the speed but just not quite enough. He got back to second and Jackson Dunn, who was involved as well, ends up in the third spot on Sunday. Becklin again, qualifying on the pole. We talked about how well Cooper did in the, uh, the senior rock category as well. So, you know, the kids got the skills, uh, but it actually was Jackson Dunn who was able to take the pre-final win. Uh, but again, so we roll out for Sunday and, you know, I'm on the grid, I'm ready to rock here. And only four drivers end up, you know, showing up for the 100cc senior as Becklin was late to the grid. So he's going to have to come rocking through the field from the tail. Uh, Debato gets the lead early, uh, takes it away from from Jackson Dunn, who had won the won the prefinal. And the bottom line is Debato walks away, uh, ends up with the win. Josh Weiss actually coming through to grab second, took the position away from Dunn on lap 18. Becklin, as I said, started late from the grid, uh, able to get back. He got, got through all of us Masters drivers, but was out early, I think lap nine or something like that. Uh, bottom line was Colby DeBato with a couple of wins, wins the championship, caps the season with three straight victories, and for him, winning a trip because of obviously not running that race at, at the uh, Rock Cup International Final. He gets an entry into the Rock the Rio. Another driver with six podiums because three – Third place finishes for the first three rounds for Colby Dubato. He finally got that victory in round four at Tucson. And then two wins in Sonoma definitely uh, locks up the championship for him. Yeah, good for him. A little bit of chaos, as we said. I'm surprised they didn't kind of settle down in front of us and just go racing. uh, Because there was an incident, as I said, the opening one uh, on Saturday in turn one. And I want to say one of the pre-finals they got together uh, down in turn number two, right before going into tic-tac-toe. Uh, moving into my class, 100cc Masters, really not a whole lot to talk about in terms of racing. Uh, Calvin Chen dominated the weekend. I, I, I won't go too deeply into this. Calvin really dominated the weekend. Uh, qualify, uh, qualify and pole both races, won both pre-finals. 
I stayed close in the one prefinal. I think there was a prefinal on Sunday. I stayed. I was within a second of him uh, in the prefinal. That was about all I could was able <laughs> was able to see for Calvin. He's got a lot of seat time. Uh, I was happy with that. Uh, opening corner chaos, as we said on uh, on Saturday. Um, everybody kind of checking up. Uh, I had to lock it up a little bit. I know that I think Calvin actually got got collected in it behind us. Jimmy Gregory actually was able to slide through the inside. He took the lead early. Uh, I made a move over uh, after the S's and overcooked it going into the corner. Uh, ran out of talent. Um, Gregory held the lead. Calvin ended up getting him. You know that later that lap, uh, I chased back down Jimmy and got by him on lap number four. So it ends up with Chen. Um, and as the winner, myself running in second and Jimmy Gregory in third on the podium with a good position to hose me down with champagne. So talent versus no speaking. talent versus fireball. <laughs> That's the, there it is. That's the title right there. Uh, again, on Sunday, as I said, uh, Calvin Chen on the pole, he wins the pre-final. I was a second, right? A second behind. In fact, for the majority of it, I was within about two or three cart lengths. Uh, and to be honest, I'll be real. I was just using Calvin to learn more about corner corner speed, right? I was kind of just trying to learn as much as I could about the way he was getting around the racetrack. And I found, I found probably over a half a second um, sticking with him, which was great. Uh, not able to do that in the main event. Although I did lead the opening lap because there was more chaos. Again, I was able to slide through and lead the opening lap. Calvin went by me pretty quickly to complete his sweep of the weekend. And Craig Yeske, uh, a local driver who is uh, jump, it's not, Jump back into karting, David, after many years away. Um, and with a CRG, got the, the Rock VLR 100. Absolutely loving it. Came out and joined in on the party with us on Sunday. End up finishing in the third position to be on the podium. Uh, it was good to have uh, Craig there with us. He and I were chatting a little bit about, you know, back when he was racing as a young guy. And uh, um, just a great job for Craig. And good to see him back and, and you know, picked up that VLR 100 to run locally at, at Sonoma and, and just digging. So it was, it was, it was a fun race. The, the highlight for me, of course, was the pre-final able to stay with, you know, within a couple of cart lengths of Calvin for a majority of that 15 lapper. And really uh, I'll, I'll give it to him. I was just using him as the marker, right? The rabbit, if he was going that deep, that's what I was doing. I was, you know, alert, I changed my line quite a bit following him through. So bottom line was, it felt pretty good being able to, to hang with Calvin there in that, in that pre-final. It was good to see you actually improve throughout a weekend instead of struggle like you typically do. So, ouch! <laughs> no, it was good. I, I did. Yeah, we found a lot of speed. It, it was uh, overall, you know, I found a you know a second and a half, almost two seconds throughout the weekend. Uh, the main event. Uh, and one thing I will say this: one thing is, I ran one set of tires for the entire weekend. Everybody else had fresh rubber on for qualifying on Sunday. So that says something for the for the Bridgestones too. Let's put it that way. I had one set for the, for the entire cool. weekend. What about changes? Because I, I know you never make changes, so I'm going to guess you didn't well, make any changes. I, I, my, my philosophy anytime that I get a chance to jump behind the wheel of something is there's no need to make any changes to the chassis unless I believe I'm driving the thing to 90%. Um, that said, I, I, was, I was struggling a little bit with mid, like a mid-corner oversteer. I was getting, it, was snap, it was snapping on me. Now, again, snap loose on mid-corner to exit, but again, I always attribute that to the fact that I consistently turn in early. Um, you know, once I get more seat time at a track and more comfortable, comfortable, get more comfortable with the chassis, which I never get a chance to do, I'll wait and wait. And in the main event on Sunday, I waited, I, I was, I was shortening my braking zone. I talked to a couple of guys about that, 
uh, a couple of guys I trusted about you know, what I could do. And they're, you know, they're saying you need to get a little deeper into the corner, you know, get on the brakes harder and earlier, let off it and roll the corner. Billy Cleveland helped me out a lot with that actually. And turn in later, you know, so had that late, had that later apex. Uh, but because I don't do that, the snap oversteer primarily <laughs> comes because I've got too much wheel in it. Uh, Cause I turn in early. That said, Eric did, we, you know, we did go to a, a longer hub on the rear to kind of get to you know, push a little more side by into the tire. And that did work. I felt a lot more comfortable throughout the entire race on Sunday. And hey, you know what? Closing in on and being with Calvin in the pre-final was great. But for me, to be honest, I ran hard. My, my fastest laps were at the end of a 22-lap main. And I think I said I've lost about 10 pounds since the start of the year. I, I, I'm, I'm happy that I pushed hard and showed good pace for 22 laps because that was one thing I was worried about coming in. <laughs> Would I even last that long? Yeah, and Sonoma's not exactly easy on the body either. No. Well, and I'll, listen, I'm going to give it to two things as well. Uh, I, I've got the new uh, Bell uh, RS7 um, carbon helmet, as I said. It's very light, and I don't, I don't, I didn't wear a neck guard. I don't like wearing a neck guard. I don't think it's, I don't, I don't use them. Uh, my head felt great the entire time. The helmet's so light, and I'll tell you this too. Now that my seat was a little tight because I used it, but Robbie Mott sent me one of his rib, his new RibTech carbons. And I'm telling you, I went through tic-tac-toe pretty hard a bunch of times. And as you're coming through the right-hander, which is the helipad afterwards, there's a bit of a, like a patch they put in. And there were times that a big, hard, you know, like a, the car took a set on the exit. And I know that would have hurt my ribs. With that rib tech carbon, zero issues. Like, I mean, and I would be smiling coming out of the helipad knowing that, man, if I didn't have this rib tech, I'd probably be broken right now. But I, as a 50-year-old 50, 50 dude, I felt great all weekend long, and that really surprised me. Thanks to the Bell helmet, and big thanks to Robbie's rib tech vest. Man, it was it was awesome. I'm going to say that right now. We'll just say your lap times were your fastest was a 56.3, and your slowest not passing was a 56.7. So not bad. Not Delta. bad, right? It was, it was pretty solid. It was solid. All right, let's move into some real racing. Uh, <laughs> not me driving around. Mini rock category, uh, really, uh, this particular battle, and David, you can talk more about how it kind of unfolded through the entire season, but Enzo Delaney versus Logan Toke, that was really the weekend. Um, Enzo qualified pole on Saturday. Logan ends up winning the pre-final. Um, Toke actually winning the final as well. Delaney got a, uh, a black flag in the pre-final. I, I, for, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but it was something that I know – the Cameron Jocelyn protested. He was not happy with it. Whatever it was, Delaney got it was the mechanical black flag. Yeah, I don't know. What, I can't remember for, for running back and forth like I was. I can't remember what it was. It was something that I think was questionable. And then, of course, well, and what what they did was is they they because I asked is they removed uh, the laps for him ignoring. Yeah, they they so yeah they, they stopped. It. Yeah, they stopped stopped uh, scoring him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, he's, so he gets black flag Delaney does in the pre-final. So he's got to drive essentially from the back of the pack all the way back to the front and ends up finishing second in the final Toke runs off to the win. David, we, throughout this race report, we've talked about drivers, you know, dominating a weekend that didn't happen here. This was a battle back and forth between Delaney and Toke Toke drawing first blood on Saturday. He gets the race win to tighten up the championship. And of course, Sunday things change around, but man, a good battle between both of these drivers all weekend. It was a uh, exposed axle. So the hub had slid in and the axle was was exposed. So 
uh, you know, a safety issue. It's, you know, you don't want an axle spinning out in the open. Um, so I can, I can see the reason for that meatball flag. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm on the same side as you. Cause it's, that's that I don't, again, you gotta, you, you gotta call that being a safety thing. That's tough. That's really tough because again, I remember them saying that, yeah, had he had slid in, had he come in and, it, and you know, it's not gonna be a track with deal, right? It's interesting. That's tough. That's very, very tough for him. So anyway, as I said, Logan Toke with the win and Zodolini ends up getting in second and Anthony White, Actually, um, on the podium in third, another uh, third generation driver, right? The uh, the son of, of Joe White, Anthony White finishing in third. So it's cool to see that family there. That was his fourth third place finish. Uh, <laughs> well, make it five. Over, over the year. And then you five. had Sunday with five. But yeah, going into the, going in, yeah. But you give Toke a third victory there. So that kind of propels him. Uh, at the top of the championship chase as they go into Sunday. And that's it, right? All of a sudden, this two-driver battle we'd have all year and all weekend gets fired up again. Uh, this time, though, Delaney, again, you got to go get it, right, Dave? So Toke's really kind of in the driver's seat. As you said, three wins. Delaney's got to go get it. Qualifies on pole, bonus points. Most points, wins the pre-final. Most points there wins the final as well over Toke. In fact, takes over the lead on lap number 11, wins by just over a half a second. Toke even gets the final lap. I mean, the fast lap, but it comes down to the points accrued in the final race. Enzo Delini wins the championship by just five points. Tightest battle, of, tightest battle of the championship this year. Yes, without a doubt. And again, as you said, the qualifying, you know, those are five points there. They are. So, yeah. you know, Deligny had one, two on the year and Toke only had two. So, you know, you steal that, that one other one from white, white had one in cow speed. So you steal that one or, or whoever, you know, it's, yeah. it's just, you never know what's going to happen. So it, it's a tight, tight, tight battle. And Toke even got the fast lap of the race on Sunday too, which is five bonus points. So very, very tough for both drivers, but, uh, but and kudos to Enzo Delini for winning the ticket to the rock cup international final. Uh, Logan Toke, of course, winning that entry into the Rock the Rio. Great battle in the in the mini rock category. We'll cap things off quickly. We had four drivers in the micro rock class. Filippo Sala uh, dominated the action on Saturday, qualified on pole, uh, won the pre-final, won the main event. Uh, although Gage Jarvis, who was a lone driver last year, ended up w- uh, being the quickest in the final. He took second. Sydney Castles rounding out the podium in third. On Sunday, Salah wins in the qualifier, in the qualifying run, however. Uh, Zachary Walrod uh, ends up winning in the pre-final, and he actually wins the main event as well. He was good out of the box. Uh, Salah had some issues. I, I'm not sure what it was. Some kind of a mechanical put him on the sidelines on lap number four. Walrod ends up winning uh, with uh, by a large margin. Post-fast lap of the race, Gage Jarvis in second. Sydney Castles again in third, but with five wins, David, uh, Filippo Sala scoring the championship and the entry into the Rock the Rio. Yeah, DQ might have been an issue for for Sala in the championship chase, but again, five wins uh, gets him the title. Jarvis second and Sydney Castles ending up third uh, in the title chase. So, folks, there it is, your race report brought to you by Bell Racing USA as David Cole and I wrap up uh, the Challenge of the Americas series for 2019, not just the uh, the actual racing as well in Sonoma, but but David giving us some insights into what happened in the opening rounds, talking a bit about the championship, 
all in all, some very deserving champions uh, who will represent the challenge of the Americas this year at the 2019 Rock Cup International Final. All right, David, let's wrap things up here real quickly. We'll jump into the EK and Trackside Live race calendar, talk about uh, where you and I are going to be over the next month. Uh, this edition of the calendar presented by Mad Old Nut Racing. The shift is on to a new brand and a new way of thinking. Croc Promotion USA is the American importer and distributor, and Mad Old Nut Racing is the official race team. We're ready to attack in 2019, and our results speak for themselves. We're winning races and championships and running up front. Croc Promotion USA has momentum. Dedicated and talented young drivers, supported and mentored by team owners who know business and who are passionate about karting. That's Croc Promotion USA. That's Mad Old Nut Racing. Search for us on social media and give us a follow. All right, Dave, uh, let's, we'll quickly do this. We, we did this in the last podcast as well. We don't need to go too crazy. First weekend of May, you and I have a bit of a break until then. First weekend of May, 3rd, 4th, 5th, we're going to Utah, the Utah Motorsports Campus for the Supercarts USA Pro Tour Spring Nationals, rounds three and four of this year's Pro Tour. Excited to be back uh, going to Utah. Uh, it's going to yeah. be a, a thrilling weekend. Going to see how, how the championship chases unfold going to the third and fourth rounds of the Pro Tour and see who's going to be uh, coming out with uh, a better chance and those who are going to, uh, who those who need to uh, step up uh, come spring nationals. That's it. That's summer Nats. Yeah. Who's going to step up when we get to Newcastle. For the remainder of the month, uh, I'm busy. I'm, I'm at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway following so many of our the young carters that we've watched over the last so many years. Uh, part of the Road to Indy and, of course, part of the NTT IndyCar Series. Uh, looking forward to the IndyCar Grand Prix weekend. Uh, I'll be with IndyCar Radio for the qualifying weekend as well. And, of course, I'll get a chance to work my fourth Indianapolis 500. Uh, uh, an honor and a privilege for sure. Uh, David during qualifying weekend for the 500s, uh, you are going to be up at Road America, WK Manufacturers Cup at SeaTech Manufacturing Motorplex in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. I know how uh, Road America really has a place in your heart. Excited to be back. We're just looking at the uh, the pictures I have behind me in the office yeah. uh, the other day when my dad stepped over and uh, excited to be going back there and excited to see what the racing is going to be like uh, on the uh, repaved track that was just done uh, last year. I'll be tuning in for sure. I'm excited, as as you are, to see how things roll out when when they get up to Road America. Those are the races that we have in May. Lots more, of course, in June, July, and August, as we have 24 races on the EKN Trackside Live, presented by Cooper Tires Calendar here for 2019. Uh, We look forward to to some great racing. David, let's wrap things up now from, uh, from Sonoma. Uh, Overall, nine different brands scoring uh, uh, wins in Sonoma. Uh, Cosmic with three, uh, Jake Drew and, 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 uh, and senior Calvin Chen getting those two wins uh, in 100cc. Of course, all three are both of those drivers running for HRT. Uh, Shifters was all CRG though, right? Ronnie White and Patrick O'Neill. Those guys get the job done. Yeah, so uh, yep, big uh, big wins for uh, for both those drivers. White uh, securing the championship and O'Neill uh, defending the home turf on Sunday. Uh, Tony Kart is David, David giving me the, the confirmation, <laughs> the correction that Wang actually on the Tony Kart, uh, the OTK product. He won both of the Masters Rock categories. Enzo Delini winning in mini. Expre with a couple of wins for Speed Sense Motorsports with William Ferguson. Uh, the Ricardo chassis with uh, two wins for Colby Dubato and 100cc senior. 
One win for the nope. uh, Red Army, Burrell Art. Two. Right. Two, actually. We forgot uh, Shermerhorn. So. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So yeah two, ben Shermerhorn. So two, two wins. wins for Burrell. Yep. Good job. Good job. Uh, Top Cart one, VME one, Bennick one in the mini and micro categories. So that's your championship, uh, your constructor's championship. Overall, Dave, let's wrap it up. Now, I'll wrap up the race. You can wrap up the series. 96 entries overall. Another strong step for the drivers from uh, for the Challenge of the Americas since moving to the Rock Platform in 2018. I think cool. You know, I was part of it. Four drivers from the 100cc Masters uh, class for the season finale. Uh, you know, Jimmy Gregory was the only driver uh, throughout the season in 100cc Masters. And, you know, Andy Saisman kind of got things started. He and Jimmy, uh, you know, offered me a seat. We made it two. And then Calvin Chen jumped on board to make it three. And then Craig Yeske came in on Sunday to make it four. I think that was really cool to have uh, the four drivers in the 100cc uh, Masters class. All in all, though, David, you got to look forward and say, hey, there's going to be some growth because uh, great numbers are growing numbers for the Rock Sonoma program. Rock program growing in SoCal at the Tri-C Carters uh, series and, of course, with the FKC as well. You couple that with the Rock California series, the new one that's coming out that's going to give Rock you know, rock customers a chance to race, which really what this is, right? Andy talked about it at the driver's meeting. The Rock California, if you got a Rock, if you own one and you want to go race, there's a lot of opportunities to race uh, here in 2019. And that's, again, just going to fuel more growth for 2020. Well, let's not forget Colorado and the Rocky Mountains as well, too. Yep. They, you know, Colorado has has a number of drivers that took took part in the Challenge of the Americas, all three events of the season. Uh, drivers from Texas coming over to race as well, too. So, you know, just it's it's not only growing in California, but it's getting it's getting momentum building in other states uh, throughout the western half of the United States and, you know, possibly North America up in Canada as well, too. So we'll see we'll possibly see some growth up there. Uh, so it's all about growth. And, you know, we said that last year and I think we're going to repeat that again this year. It's just, it's just growing the numbers and getting everybody on board and racing the same events that everybody else wants to race. That's, that's key to, uh, you know, as you said, breeding big numbers. And let's uh, cap this thing off by reminding people that the inaugural event for the, uh, rock California championship, uh, set for May 18th and 19th at Button Willow Raceway Park. So I know that uh, Andy and the crew are excited about uh, kind of getting back to a mid-season series. That's not something they've had for a while. It's going to keep Andy and his crew a little bit busier <laughs> uh, this summer during the summer months, not only, you know, helping out and uh, in, in going to events with Tri-C and, and other programs that are, are in South, Southern California, but uh, this series will not only be focused for, for Southern California, but for Northern California, and as we said, other surrounding uh, states coming over and, and, and racing, uh, you know, uh, a condensed type challenge in the Americas type uh, atmosphere. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, wrapping things up here now for the EK and debrief of the final round of the Challenge of the Americas. We went a little longer with this podcast. David, of course, giving us lots of information about the series as a whole. We had a chance to talk about championships as well, but that's going to cap things off. Again, Streeter Superstands, the presenting sponsor of our broadcast here today, this particular podcast, and we thank all the good folks at Streeter Superstands shop online at streetersuperstands.com. Once again, folks, if you're listening on the ECAN radio network, you've downloaded the uh, the app. We appreciate it. Give us a, a review, please. We love that. If you're listening to one of the podcasts that you've downloaded on iTunes or Google Play, please do us a favor. Leave us a review. Give us a five star. 
Don't give us a five star. Send us an email and tell us what you want us to improve on. We appreciate it. Any emails, any input, always a positive. David Cole, thank you so much for joining us, folks. That wraps up another edition of The Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network. My name's Rob Howden. Bye for now. 